Welcome back to the Money Under the Matches podcast. I'm Jake McAdam and my co-host is Mitchell Jensen. Today, Mitch and I will be discussing how to prepare for a potential market crash. Yeah. How are you doing today, Jake? Oh, not too bad. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad at all. I mean, uh, the Dow Jones is up just about 2% on the day. So our uh, I know my portfolio has been, been doing pretty good. How about yours? Excellent today, Mitch. Yeah. across the board you've been doing pretty good it's a pretty green day <laughs> yeah so for today i think we'll be discussing uh preparing for a market crash uh, or i mean it'll eventually happen uh nobody knows when um no. but during these times when the market gets bubbly uh, and super overvalued which we feel that it is right now uh, it's a great time to kind of like sit back and relax and uh and really just dig deep on some uh, annual reports and quarterly reports um, and just kind of make like a shopping list for when stocks go on sale. Um, we consider it called like a grocery list. Um, so maybe you might have five or six investments um, that you'd be interested in or five or six companies, sorry, that you might be interested in. And then uh, you'd base the price that you want to buy them at around their intrinsic value or 50% off their intrinsic value. So we'll talk about grocery lists and then um, we'll talk about like why having a cast position during these times is pretty important for a potential market crash. Do you currently have a watch list right now, Jake? I don't pretty well besides like a few companies. Like the only companies right now that I don't own that are on my watch list are Google and Costco. There's no real other company out there that I would like keep my hands on. Like personally, I don't already know or own, sorry, but there could be potential other companies, but like nothing that I'm too serious to look into at the moment. I would personally like to buy a lot of the companies I'm already in at lower prices if the opportunity presents itself. But yeah, like I don't, I don't think there's many companies. What about you? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I have two different watch lists. I have a watch list with just a couple great companies with outstanding management. Um, that I'd be interested in buying at like fair prices, not great prices. I mean, I'll buy them at great prices, but uh, the odds of that happening are very low. So same with you, Google, um, Costco, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, I'd add onto that one too. Um, just great businesses that I don't think will go and sell at extreme discounts, um, but I'm willing to pay up a little bit for them uh, just because they're great companies. And then I have another watch list that's just on Excel uh, with about 150 stocks. And so these, <laughs> and so these ones are like um, more of a, they're a half decent company. Still pretty good companies, honestly. Uh, just that they, I'd be willing to buy them at like uh, a lot bigger discounts. So that's where like your 50% margin of safety would come in. Um, so to name a few on there is like Facebook, Alibaba, uh, Snowflake, Howard Hughes Corporation, Ingalls Markets. Like just, those are the ones just on the top right now. Um, but there's nothing, there's nothing close to the price that I want to buy it at right now. So I'm just kind of taking this time just to read up, add to my watch list. I guess kind of grow my circle of competence or have a deeper circle of competence, I guess. And yeah, all my companies that I'm in right now, I'm hoping to buy, buy up in a, in a market crash. I hope that they go on a 
pretty decent discount. So explain why it's important to have like a watch list um, before the market crashes. Yeah, so I mean, the first type of watch list I consider is called a grocery list. Um, that's where you have maybe three or four type of companies that you're extremely interested in and you understand quite well. Uh, you've read, read up a lot about them, done your due diligence. Um, those ones are really important because those are usually like the bigger um, investments, I guess. I, I, that's where you throw more capital into compared to these smaller ones that are, there might be um, a more rundown business, but you might be able to make a, a quick double. Um, but it's extremely important to have a watch list before a market crash. So then <clears throat> during these market crashes, it's extremely um, emotional time, right? Because if your portfolio is falling 20, 30, 40% um, over a course of a couple months, then you're going to start to get scared. I think everybody will eventually get scared at one point. Um, and so I think it's just good to have like a, a play, just to have a game plan of what you're going to be buying and at what prices to buy at. The thing though, um, I know we're, we're talking about if a crash were to happen, I'm not sure if we'll get a severe crash of let's say 50% like it has in the past, mm -hmm. but I do think, you know, sooner rather than later, we will get a, uh, a pullback for sure of more than I'd say 15%. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say probably more in the 25 range. I, I could be wrong, but uh, the, the only reason right now that I think stocks are going up, it's, it's not that profits have been going up at the same rate. I think it's just um, appreciation and earnings multiples, like your, your P ratio. Like a lot of the gains have came from um, increases in the multiples, not the actual increase in the underlying earnings. And what's drove that is, like I said earlier, interest rates. When interest rates are so low, there's no results to put your money. And until interest rates rise, I know they've already, like the 10 year in the States has doubled in the last couple months or whatever. It went from like 0.7% to um, 1.5, I think it is right now. But still it's not at a high enough rate for people to get out of the stock market and put their money or at least some of their money into bonds. And until that happens, until the, the, the Fed decides to move their, their rates and stuff like that, like I, I can't see the market going into that crazy of a crash, especially when you have um, stimulus packages coming, coming soon and stuff like that. But the, the thing is, is what I'm kind of scared of now is I, like Mitch and I have a decent amount of cash on the side we're kind of scared that we could see some big time inflation coming our way because there's been so much money printed. And, but at, at the same time, it may not happen because the economy is pretty depressed. And although the stock market has thrived, the economy itself hasn't been doing that great. A lot of people like professionals are on one side of the coin or the other side where they're saying, no, inflation is not going to be, crazy like other people say and then some people are saying like it's going to be hyperinflation blah, blah blah comparing it to like Zimbabwe where there was super hyperinflation I think we should have in my opinion um, I think we, there should be a decent amount of inflation coming our way 
Like it's, it's pretty hard not to be when you're, you know, printing as much money as, as the U S has. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could go put your money into gold or the, um, online currency gold, like Bitcoin or whatever they call it there. But that's, that's no good either. Right. Like you never know. Cause that's when you buy those type of assets, if you want to call them assets, um, it's basically, it's just a speculation on, on the next yeah. person to buy up for a higher price than you bought it for. There's no actual yeah, kind of productive so asset. So there's no cash flow coming from it. So mm-hmm. it's hard to value, but gold tends to perform well in inflationary times compared to other types of assets, especially bonds. So right now there's a whole debate out there where you have people that are retired or retiring soon, and they're not sure what to do because they tend to have, let's say like the 50, 50 approach where they have 50% of their portfolio in bonds and 50% of their portfolio in stocks. And right now they're getting like no return or they haven't for the last year in bonds besides you know, prices for bonds going up because rates have gone lower, but like people buying bonds now, they're getting like no return barely, like 1%, 1.5%. So there's no real return there. And then you have stocks that are at the highest P multiple it's been in years. And you don't see a whole lot of future growth in stock prices. Like if, if you looked at it from a historic standpoint, stocks are tend to average about a 15 to 16 price earnings ratio, like the broad market. And right now it's at like 34 or something ridiculous like that. So you don't see a great future ahead for stocks, but it should be interesting to see how the government uh, continues with their, um, their policies. Is there anything that you'd be, is there anything that you're not interested in rebuying up or buying more of in a market crash? of your personal portfolio like Uh, like is there anything that um you wouldn't be interested in buying more of um of your personal portfolio no see in my personal portfolio everything that i currently own is something that i love Mm -hmm. and um that would be okay owning it right out like the actual business i'd like i'd love to actually just be the sole owner of the business but i think i have regrets in not buying more of some of the stuff when i had the chance like berkshire for example i have a lot of my portfolio in berkshire but i was buying when it like i first started buying when it was at like 170 dollars so class b shares and another example would be um equitable bank i started buying in the 70s and just a few other stocks and um <laughs> I think we both regret not buying more of Boston Omaha. I think at this point, like, yeah, I mean, I, I regret it to a certain degree, but uh, I also allocated 10% of my portfolio to Boston Omaha. I believe it was 10%. might've been a little bit less than that. Actually might've been more like 5%. Um, yeah, I think it was at the time though, but not now at the, oh yeah. Now, now we're around 14, 12 or 14%. Um, but I believe it was, yeah. yeah, I believe that it's been 5% when I initially invested, um, which I think I would have liked to increase by a double. I would have liked to double up on my position back then. Yeah. Um, if it comes down to a great price again, I'll be more, more than interested in buying up another 
I think I think we personally like made the only mistake we really made during the crash is waiting for it to go down even more. Like instead of buying it up when we know it's at a good price that we'd like to buy, mm-hmm. we would buy some and then wait for it to keep going down. And I think that was like a mistake on our part of not just putting the money in at a price that's good. Like right now, let's say you find a company that's at a great price and it's a great company. Like right now, let's say you found one. You should be okay with putting your money into it now, even though like you could see a market crash coming mm-hmm. because you know, no matter what, in a few years or whatever, it's going to be where you pictured it to be as long as the company continues on the track that you projected it. So it's one of those things where like you can wait till the crash happens and start investing then. Or if there's companies that present themselves now, even though there's a lot of companies out there that have high multiples, but there is a company that, you know, dips in price for a certain reason and presents itself. I don't think you should wait for the market to totally go on sale to deploy all your cash. I think you should deploy your cash wherever the best possible deal is at the moment, because you can wait. I've heard other super investors talk about it too. Like you could wait in cash for, you know, years on end and then finally get into it and then take it out. You do that approach, or you could just always put money into whatever is the best company available at the time and always be, you know, like 80 to 85% in the market. I think I always like having a nice cash buffer. And the only time like I'll never have a cash buffer is if it's like a crazy market like we just had where in March of last year, the stock market went down like almost 40%. Then I would, you know, put all my money that were in my investments accounts like into the market. But I, I think that's the only personal mistake I made. Yeah. Um, it's a, yeah, it's really, to go over that topic again, like it's super important to not try to speculate when the market crash is about to happen. Hmm. So like, I know I have about a 30% cash position and then you, I believe have about a 50% cash position. Is that correct? Uh, no, it's about 35 now. Okay. 35 now. I I found a uh, company recently, so I, okay. uh, Yeah. That's right. So so we're, we're both similar in our cash positions and 30% cash positions fairly heavy in cash and in my opinion for most portfolios but it's not the fact that we're waiting for a market crash it's just that we haven't found many actual investments to allocate our capital into um so and we also have capital coming in every once in a while yeah we also have so income it's not like stuff. we have a fixed it's not like we were had like an x amount of portfolio we started with and then no no other money's coming in we also have money coming in from other sources so it's um it's, it's, it's trickier when you have more money coming in to allocate efficiently, where if you have a fixed portfolio, it becomes easier. But then again, it is nice when the market crashes and you have money coming in where you can, you know, put it in instead of just having a fixed portfolio. So yeah. it is, it's got its benefits and with, and like downfalls. So, but all in all, don't speculate on a market crash to happen. Um, if you have cash mm-hmm. on the side, I mean, if you're investing the way that me and Jake do, um, we're still searching for investments. So you can email us if you have any investment, um, <laughs> you know, if you have any investments that you think that are, uh, are interesting. Yeah. 
but I don't know. It's just more difficult nowadays to allocate capital than it was, um, let's say, back in March or April. Um, there's just not as much companies oh, yeah. out there in the market, so that's why we have a cash position that's so strong. And so, on our downtime, yeah, we are looking for, you know, good stocks that, when they do go on a discount, they'll buy up. I think that's pretty well it for preparing for a market crash. Like there's not too much that you have to do other than just keep reading up on interesting companies that you feel have a competitive advantage. And if they're selling at a great price now, buy them up. But if they're not, then put them on the watch list and, uh, and check back when the markets uh, took a dive. And a good way to know that it's not a good time to buy, let's say, because you don't really, you're not really super into investing, but you kind of understand the idea of it, especially the way that Mitch and I do it, um, is to go and look on Dataroma and see how many people are buying versus selling. And you'll see that a lot of the big name people are not buying at the moment, especially not like mass amounts. You'll see actually a lot of selling because they know that there's not a lot of attractive things to buy right now. And they also know that a lot of their stocks have become overpriced and they're, and they're starting to sell it off. You know, I, I tend to look at that as well. Um, not just obviously do your own, like do your own judgment as well. Like see, like figure out what you think the market, not the market as a whole, but like a lot of the stocks in the market, whether they're overpriced or not, just roughly, figure that out and then go on to like a site like Dan Roma and see what the super investors think, because you can tell a lot about what other professional minds are thinking just by looking at their buys and sells. Obviously there is probably a few guys on Dan Roma that are buying still, but they're not the type of investing or type of investors that we're looking at. But a lot of them, like I said, they're not buying much right now because Prices are not attractive whatsoever. Hmm. Just continue to, uh, for people out there that are taking the value investing approach, just to keep learning um, from other great value investors like Warren Buffett and Monish Paprai and Phil Fisher. I, I mean, Phil Fisher wasn't a value investor, but he was, I guess they call it a Garp investor, growth at a reasonable price, but they all kind of are similar type of investing. Yep. Then obviously, yeah, it's all fundamental investing, right? So just keep learning from other people that were, were great at investing and look into a couple of companies that you want to uh, you want to buy potentially at good prices. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Under the Mattress. If you have any questions about this episode, you can email us at moneyunderthemattress.podcast at gmail.com. Everything discussed in this podcast is our opinion and should not be used as investment advice. This podcast is for your entertainment and education purposes only, and we hope that you enjoyed it.